It's time again for the TCU Food Bank's Taking Care of You podcast. I'm your host, Spud McConnell, and we're going to talk about how you can help feed the hungry and the homeless down in South Louisiana. So let's chew the fat, huh? Now make la vie, as the Cajuns say on the TCU Food Bank's Taking Care of You podcast. You know what, actually, you know what this, you know what this room needs? Some beige carpet. So wait, 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 wait. You mean that yellow carpet I had? They told me the carpet was nasty. It only been down 30 years. So I told them, we'll just pull it up and turn it over. We're not even spending money. And I come in and it's gone. It's all this wood floor. What the heck's going yeah. on? Yeah, I said, what? No, well, it was just it was my dig. Yeah, and, uh, yeah my, that beige carpet. Yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and the coffee stains were right where I left them. I know. Right? I mean, I knew exactly where they were, well, you know. Yeah. By yeah. the way, so we're sitting here talking to Mike Strain, who is the Ag Commissioner for the Great State of Louisiana. How long have you been Ag Commissioner? been Ag Commissioner 15 years, believe it or not. Man. It's been that fast. I know, and that's I, quick. And I was in a house two terms in a piece. So I started in 1999. Uh, my cousin, Big Bill Strain, he passed in office. He died in office. And so I was elected on the 18th of October and started, that was a Saturday, and I started serving on Monday, the 20th of October so in 1999. And you've been into it ever since. Yeah. Yes, we've never slowed what does down. What does that mean? Is this like a is this like a like a, a need you have, like a calling, like a vocation? Is like you yeah, would somebody you know, tapped you on the shoulder and said you got to go do this? Well, when um, I was in veterinary medical, right in veterinary medicine, the veterinary medical association asked me to chair the legislative division of the veterinary medical association mm-hmm. because my cousin Big Bill Strain was the chairman of House Ag, so veterinary bills went before. House agriculture. So for a number of years, probably 15 years or more, I was the legislative chair. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I moved up in the ranks and became head of the Veterinary Medical Association. And so uh, Big Bill Strain, at the age of 58, got sick and he died yeah. in office. And qualifying was two weeks later, two weeks later in August of 1999. And I decided to run. And the district was my work district, my practice area. I've been to every farm and almost every house in that district. Mm. And it was probably the largest rural district in Louisiana. It had one red light in the entire district. One red light Did it have and a one Sinclair, subdivision. A one Claire station with a green dinosaur? Huh? No, it didn't no. have that. But we did have one or two gas stations, no. right? Okay. And so it was, it was like 82 miles from one end to the other of the district. And I ran farm to farm. So everywhere I go, you know, our slogan was, you'll see my sign on the corner post of the farm. And everywhere I go, the farmer said, look, give me a sign. I'll put it up. You're hungry here. Eat a little bit. You know, so I gained weight when I was campaigning, yeah. unlike most people that lose weight. You know, and I was elected in the first primary. I think I had three or four opponents when I was elected in the first primary, one primary, and went immediately to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Hunt Downer, Hunt yeah, Downer was well. speaker at the time. Mike Foster was governor. And I spent eight so, years there. And then as a freshman legislator, I was elected to chair the Rural Caucus. It's the largest caucus that's, in the legislature that's, that's by my peers. That's a big deal for a freshman. That's a big deal for a freshman. I chaired it twice, two years. And then after eight years, I decided it was time to either move up, run statewide, or go home. You know, and so uh, in the year 2006, I made a decision and started a campaign and campaigned through 2007 to be sworn in in 2008. So a statewide campaign. And as you remember, I took on a 28-year incumbent. Yes, incumbent, and that was one heck of a that was heck a fight. Camp- that was a that was a that was a hard fight. And then I started serving immediately, and it seems like yesterday, right? And so, but it's, we've it, done so many things, and 
you know, people said, well, how much longer are you going to serve? I said, till I'm done. You know, until, you know, yeah. every day. You I, said that the first time I interviewed. I know. And so, you know, and do I feel callings? Yes, I felt a calling to veterinary medicine. And look, I love veterinary medicine. You know, I love rural practice. I miss rural practice. I love surgery. You know, but in these jobs, you know, what we do in a day, we help so many people. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, and the things that we do, most of the time, we'll never understand them in our own lifetime, the people that we have helped. And you have this, and it's the same way for each and every one of you. Mm -hmm. And so every day is a challenge. I mean, I still practice veterinary medicine. We have five veterinarians here, which we have 28 animal health type. You actually go out and check out animals every now and again? Or, well, what will like happen? Or watch somebody else. Well, you know, I have a private practice. I still have my private practice. I didn't practice. know that. Yes, indeed. In, in Covington, my wife's a veterinarian. You know, so Sunday afternoon, I left the practice at 7.30 Sunday night. You know, and so, but I'm still, I'm the, mainly the finance officer there. And so, you know, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a large practice with multiple doctors. And then here, you know, the issues of the day, I deal with disease issues, right? I'm responsible for the entire plant and animal kingdom and public health. You know, if you look at the disease pyramid, the human beings are at the top of the pyramid, right? Yeah. My job is to make sure disease never gets there. And so whatever the, the, you know, we call them the pods, problems of the day. Yeah. Right? And so whatever issues that we are dealing with, and it's good that I'm a veterinarian with a medical and scientific background to wade through those issues on each and every day. And well, what are some of the things that, that pop up? You know, they're well, you know, well, for instance, today we were notified by LSU you know, School of Veterinary Medicine, that was an issue with horses. So we have to track that down and figure out what's going on and try to, you know, contain that and stop that. We're talking to our friends uh, in the USDA about avian influenza and in what, you know, mm -hmm. species it is. And so on any given day, we're dealing with, with, with problems. I regulate the deer industry. If you talk about CWD, chronic wasting disease, I regulate the cattle industry. So everything, if you're looking at from, you know, venereal diseases in cattle that affect herd health, to diseases that can get in the milk, brucella, TB, versus I, diseases in goats, Q fever, or if you're looking at, you know, today a big discussion with uh, the bankers today mm -hmm. was damage to soybeans, so, you know, and then potential for different types of funguses, well, that's, such see, as that's, aflatoxin, fumaricin, uh, vomitoxin. You don't seems, want vomitoxin. No, I, I, that one, that one. You understand what that yeah, one does, that one right? Is. The other ones I don't go, well, how do, so, how do these things jump? I mean, you hear about botulism and things like that. So I understand uh -huh. how how these kind of things can jump from, from plants to people. But plants to animal to plants people to or whatever, right? Any living thing. Any living thing. And it's my job to make sure they stay out of uh, the human kingdom, but also they don't move within the plant and animal kingdom. So we deal with that each and every day. You know, I have uh, 560 direct employees in this office and 500 people on boards, commissions, and authorities. We have 23 boards, commissions, and authorities. So we regulate almost everything in commerce. So plant, animal, seeds, whatever. So all of that works concurrently. I also regulate the entire restricted chemical industry. In other words, pesticides, herbicides, mm -hmm. fungicides, whatever that is, with ultimately to make sure that one, the public is protected, the public is safe, the food supply is safe, and we uh, prohibit the transmission of diseases, whether it's in plant, animals, insects, or whatever. So it keeps us very busy. You sound like you're hopping you know? around a little bit. Yeah. So well, One of the things I wanted to talk to you about, uh, just is, is how Joe Blow from Kokomo can get information from you and exactly what you should look for. Right now, we're dealing with high inflation. We're also, mm -hmm. are we are we dealing with food shortage or are we dealing with transportation issues? 
or is it a combination of all three? It's a combination of many things. With high inflation, what's happening, you're having a shifting in the buying patterns. You know, people can't afford these things, they can't afford that, but also a higher cost of production. And mm -hmm. so when you look at all the many factors together, for instance, if you have uh, the, the public stops consuming a product, then next year there'd be less of that product. And, to, and then what happens is that gets short, then that price will even go up markedly well, the more. Well, the farmers won't grow it. Well, my wife pointed out. My wife, is, uh, one of her favorite dishes at Thanksgiving is, uh, is uh, cauliflower with a cheese sauce. Mm -hmm. And she noticed how much cauliflower went up, and she tried to figure out why, and she went around looking at all these keto diets all over the place, and pizzas yeah. with a cauliflower But also crust. cauliflower is labor-intensive, and so issues with labor and supply chain have a lot to do with that. So it wasn't just the keto? It wasn't just the keto, no. No, but you can grow cauliflower at home. It grows really, well, really I'm, well. I'm, I'm, really? My, my yeah. wife killed melatons. I mean, what could that, you yeah. know, she killed yeah. melatons. You got to make it a thing, you know. Yeah. So we have a lot. I have to try to get you some cauliflower from the, my garden. My brother's the main gardener now. Right? I'd love to have it. Yeah. And I'll sit there and put it in my backyard and watch it wither and die. There you go. <laughs> what? Uh, what? So, so people out there right now are dealing with all these different issues. Uh, when we come back after this uh, quick break here, I want to talk about what people should look for. I mean, is there going to be a shortage of beef? Should uh, Chicken is, is, I'm finding when I go out and try to find chicken for the food bank, uh, the prices are really up and down, but right now they're dropping pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, but turkey, and you're seeing all these vegan meat things, these uh, impossible meat. And I'm also seeing a lot of, um, of uh, in insect protein. And it's like, I, I read this thing about them that their, their exoskeletons are made out of chitons, and that mm -hmm. is a cancer-causing material. So why is anybody even able to promote this product? Okay, but we'll talk about that when we get back here. We're going to take a quick break. Talk to Ag Commissioner Mike Strain in his carpetless office. Here, stick around. Come right back at you. Don't you miss the dust and the mold? <laughs> you can walk in and see little clouds. Spawn here for ABC Title. Take your CDL license to our memory office for your real ID upgrades, CDL downgrades, medical updates, renewals, you name it. And they'll do it scary fast. Go to scaryfast.com to get started. Uh-oh, that doesn't sound too good. You better start filling sandbags. Oh, wait, you don't have to do that anymore because you have the home team advantage. You called Home Team Elevation at 504-301-1222 and you got your home lifted above the flood. No more worries for you. What about your mama's house or your uncles or your brothers? Home Team is ready to lift their spirits even higher than your home. Get the Home Team advantage by calling 504-301-1222 or go to hometeamelevation.com. Spot here, ABZ Title can do 95% of what the DMV can do. Don't need an appointment. Average wait time's only seven minutes. We are scary fast. ABC Title is a locally owned public tag agency who's been serving you for 30 years. Your driver's license, your real ID, your title, your registration, we do it all and we do it scary fast. Some locations even open on Saturday. To find an ABC Title office nearest you, go to scaryfast.com and leave a message when you call because we return calls scary fast too. And we're back talking to Ag Commissioner Mike Strain. Um, I was asking you before about meats and things like that, and, and especially insect meat, because I'm seeing a lot of things about that, how, how protein. I remember when Afghanistan, and they used to make locust bread over there when we first uh -huh. uh, went. Uh, I can't uh, see myself eating bugs. I went to the uh, that, uh, that bug museum in New Orleans, and I told them, frankly, there's nothing in here that I wouldn't step on, and I'm not interested in eating a lollipop with a, a little bug in it. Um, 
what are and, what is kind of in many parts in many parts of the world people eat insects you yeah know, locusts were something that you know the native americans ate i mean if you what john the baptist ate it with wild honey you know when i would have to yes i'd have Jordan. to doctor it up and a little the, bit yes. yes yes when he was you know you know baptizing people in the jordan river um, but people across the world eat insects because in many areas of the world that may be the only source of protein but papua new guinea yeah you're looking at other things and so that has been part of the but we're human talking about diet. Grubs and mealworms—they're uh, looking at these hard exoskeleton bugs. Right, right. And so, but when you when you look at that, you know, most of those things those are those are, are natural in nature. Mm -hmm. But you and I and, and our society, you know, we we do eat we eat mud bugs. You know, we eat crawfish. We don't eat we don't we don't eat the the chitin skeletons, right? No. You know, and, and we but eat I do crabs. Suck the heads. And, yeah, and we do uh, eat eat shrimp. You know, so you know unto each and to his own, right? But I think what they're looking at for insects is in, in parts of the world, there's a huge protein shortage across mm. the world. And the generation time for insects is much faster than if you're talking about poultry or pork or beef or that sort of thing. And so it's looked at as a, as a, as a way to get protein and foodstuffs to people of the world. You talked about the price of turkey. What happened with turkey is one, there was all the normal inflationary costs, but also avian influenza. We lost 12 million turkeys in the United States oh, in the last that. outbreak. And so what oh. you saw when you went to the grocery, either very large turkeys or smaller turkeys. There mm -hmm. were none in, in the, the middle. The 16 pounders, you didn't you see couldn't many of them. Find them. You yeah. couldn't find them. They were 22 pounds on one end or they were 9 to 12s, the yeah. next batch. And so avian influenza has had a detrimental effect. Uh, now, we've lost a lot of, of chicken to that too. Uh, but, you know, it's the... The way that we raise chicken and the amount of biosecurity has gotten stronger. A lot of the turkeys are raised in a more open environment, mm -hmm. and much, and so they were more susceptible to avian influenza. We were not able to get turkeys to distribute, but uh, right, I was because able they were to, short. They were I found very a whole short. bunch of like eight and nine pound baking hens. So yes. we handed those. We called oh, them mini yes. turkeys, and yes. everybody was happy. Yes, that's correct. And so you know, again, those disease factors played a big role in the turkey industry as well. Okay. Well, then, then saying all this stuff. Uh, I had a question I was going to ask you at the end, but I ask you now: Are Americans spoiled? I mean, should should well, we? Well, to a certain degree, we're very accustomed to having what we want, when we want it, at a price very, very reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. And so, the further we are away now, we're probably four generations away from the farm, and we are used to very high quality standard of living. If you look at the homes most of us live in, you know, our grandfathers that would have been mansions to our grandparents. If you look at you know, the, the relative lifestyles we have because of science, innovation, and technology, we can enjoy those lifestyles even at a higher rate of taxation because of science, innovation, technology, and efficiency. And so, you know, we are used to, if you want to have, you know, cauliflower and, or if you want to have a product, a, say a summer vegetable in the winter, you're used to getting it. You know, you're used to getting squash year round. If you want that in February, well, you, you, know, you just go down the supermarket and get it. Bear in mind, you know, in generations past, it's when it was in season. You yeah. ate what was in season. Or what you, what what you, you yeah, what set you up grew, in jars. Or what you set up in jars. So fresh vegetables now come in from across the world. You know, and the majority of our fresh fruits and vegetables come out of Mexico and California and other areas. So to a certain degree, we are spoiled. And, you know, we're accustomed to being able to run right down to the supermarket or better yet, you know, we're now to have a delivery company deliver a meal fully cooked and prepared. Yeah. And so 
and that's what we become accustomed to. But and now when you're seeing, you know, the the struggles and the struggles that may come, you know, we may have to get back to back to some basics. Well, that's what the point I was I was thinking about is that we are so spoiled, so we're asking somebody else to fix our problems instead of us getting up and going doing what you said, going back to the basics. Go mm -hmm. learn how to farm in the in your backyard or grow something to supplement your own uh, your own food. Maybe have some chickens in the back for eggs and for meat. Uh, if you look at, you know, why haven't the Russians been able to starve the Ukrainians? 50% of the Ukrainians grow a garden to feed themselves, and they bring the rest of the produce to the local farmers' markets. Mm -hmm. And that's been a, that's a big deal in the Ukraine. You know, and so at the turn of the century, everybody had a garden. I mean, everybody had gardens. And now, you know, I think people are trying to get back to that because they want fresher food for their families. Yeah. And they also want to help offset those food cost dollars. Well, that's what we're trying to do. But again, yeah. my wife's got a great herb garden going though. Uh -huh. She's got this thing in her window with like lights that come on. And I mean, I've got a, I've got a fennel, not, not fennel, dill weed thing. It's like three and a half feet tall and it was right. only supposed to yeah. stop at six inches. What, uh, so the ad come, uh, the commission provides people with necessary information to grow this stuff in the backyard or? Actually, that is through the ag centers. So the LSU Ag Center. LSU and Southern Ag Centers. So your county agents or extension agents are there to help you to grow those products. So everybody should be taking advantage of this. Absolutely. But do yes. they? A lot of people do. Well, I mean, you know, you've seen you have the numbers go agents. up. They call them county agents because they're, they're yeah. federal, right? And they're in every parish. And so, you know, contact your local LSU and, or Southern Ag Center. And they're in the same offices, generally. Tell mm -hmm. them what you need, what you're trying to do, and, ha and talk to a specialist or have somebody come out. And they can help you. Look, I use the LSU Ag Center planting guide, the vegetable planting guide. It's great. It's really good. But Tells are, me, are you, know, you seeing numbers grow, though? Of gardens? Of people coming and, and taking advantage of the things think, that yes, their, their yes, tax dollars are. are paying for. Absolutely, because we talk to more and more people all the time. And if you stop by your local, especially rural feeds and seeds, they will tell you people are buying up all the seeds. Mm -hmm. You know, and so and if you, if people are buying seeds and planting gardens and planting products. And that is that is continuing to grow. Let me ask you now about we talked about the USDA. Uh, well, before we talked about that before we got on the air, but uh, I was reading articles about people who were trying to buy whole milk from cows, and and they wanted the fresh milk right out of the cow. And this is mm -hmm. I've been reading these stories over the last four or five years yeah. that they won't let you buy the milk and cross the state line with it, and half the time they won't let you buy the milk in in the state that you're That's in correct. because it's not it's a pasture. public health hazard. Well, so, but if I want it and I and I'm ready to accept the hazard, you know, then why can't I go to somebody would it, and give me give me two gallons of fresh out the cow milk? Because if you look at at the turn of the century, prior to pasteurization of milk, fifty thousand Americans a year died from diseases related to non-pasteurization. Fifty thousand a year, and so if you live on a farm, if you've been raised on a farm, you've probably been exposed to most of those bugs and bacteria on the farm. Mm -hmm. If not, you have not. And so if you look at, and, and for instance, 1% of the cattle that we vaccinate for brucella to stop undulant fever and brucella periodically shed that bacteria in their milk and can give you undulant fever from vaccinated healthy cows. And if you look, there's a growing um, Guillain-Barre syndrome in human, Guillain-Barre, you may call it Guillain-Barre, but mm. Guillain-Barre syndrome, second to carotid bacteria that is now found in, we're getting more and more cases in unpasteurized milk and these bacteria are resistant, and so you get an infection of carotid bacteria, and then secondarily you get, again, Guillain-Barre syndrome, or 
you get uh, hemorrhagic gastroenteritis from the variant of E. coli that didn't exist when I was young. And so when you look at public health, public health is designed to keep the disease from moving outside of its silo. So if, if you have a cow and you're milking that cow and you know, you know what the milk looks like, you're not in the commercial business to sell someone else that raw milk. Mm. And then if you're putting milk and it's being pasteurized and being monitored, where we keep an eye on your somatic cell count, we keep an eye on many things and you're regulated. It's what you can sell. You're also tested for antibiotics and other adulterants. And so the issue is, is that we have a moral fundamental duty to protect the public and what happens if we do not do those sorts of things the same way why do i have to buy beef that has been killed at a state inspected plant it's real simple it's a public health issue public health is there to protect the public the people as a whole mm. now if you choose to butcher your own animal you don't do it well you get sick you know if you want if you yeah. want to raise a cow and drink that milk that's up to you yeah. But you but if there's an illness, it stays in the silo. And so what happens is that it's just you and it's not thirty of you or eleven of you. Yeah. And that's our job to protect public health. Well that's because I, I remember when I was a kid, till about eight years old, we had cows and pigs and rabbits and chickens and all that. Mm -hmm. And a garden. And how many times did you get strep throat? Because many times that's from raw milk. I uh, couldn't tell you how many times I got strep throat. I don't remember. But I do remember my appendix blowing up. Uh -huh. that, that wasn't pretty. Yeah. So I don't know where that came from. One last question, since I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time. What kind of advice would you give for the people of Louisiana? I mean, should we all be stocking up on food? We're at a food bank, okay? And so I'm trying to find food. I'm trying to write the bring the the most uh, successful or nutritious stuff that we can but people should they be like setting aside stuff what's going to happen with all this inflation well, coming we're, up? we're not going to run out of food it will get more costly over time i can expect you will see a food inflation between five and eight percent this year and then of course in the next year it could still be between five and seven percent you know or more we don't know and so the thing of it is, you know, just make sure you have an adequate supply. Many people do not have one or two days supply in their cabinets. You know, so have a, you know, have a reasonable amount of food in can form in supply. But then again, look at what your options are. You can raise a lot of tomatoes, right, in a pot, you know, mm -hmm. and you can, you know, you can raise a lot of vegetables in a small space. That does two things. One, when you're out there messing with your vegetables, you just feel better. You feel better. Yeah. And also, nutritionally, they're much better for you. So, again, farmer's markets, you know, shop, we call it stop those roadside stands, grow your own, but just make sure that you have enough that if something happens, especially a hurricane, right? Yeah. Or, heaven forbid, you know, you're as old as me, I'm going to pick on you, you probably remember the fuel shortage where you yes, couldn't get I enough do. gas to get to the store. Or when they had the right? gas pump where they doubled the figure on it because they couldn't recalibrate them. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah, that? I do remember that. So, but again, I think a little more self-reliance, where we're headed, and we're going to do everything we can to keep food costs down and to make sure it's safe and healthy. And Commissioner Mike Strain, one of my favorite politicians, <laughs> please don't leave the office anytime soon. No time soon. All right, babe, wrapping this up right after this. Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans? The next time you have to travel, take along a couple of pounds of Parish coffee and you won't be missing New Orleans for long. Brewed right here in the land of coffee lovers, Parish Coffee has the taste you're looking for. 
From dark roast to coffee and chicory to flavored coffees like Bananas Foster or Bourbon Pecan, French Vanilla or King Cake or you name it, Parish Coffee has a flavor just right for you. Look for the bright purple bag in the coffee aisle of your favorite market. Or order it online, have it sent right to your door. What a perfect gift for any coffee aficionado. Sip the soul of New Orleans in every cup of Parish Coffee. Spud here. Have you ever heard of someone buying back their wrecked car from the insurance company? Me neither. Everyone I know wants the insurance company to total their car so they can get another one. But ABC Title has heard of it. It's called a reconstructed title. And ABC Title can put yours together scary fast. You're going to need the original title, which ABC can get for you if you don't have it, a physical inspection, repair receipts, and proof of insurance. Go to abctitle.com and click on services to find out more. And I promise no one will judge you for buying back your wrecked car. They may giggle at you a little, but no one will judge you.